Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Honored to have you here with me. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to keep saying this, keep doing this. I can't help it. Not only is it Friday, which is nice because it means at least there'll be a little bit of a, of a respite from all of the craziness in the news cycle. But, man, we we are rocketing along here to Election Day. It is going to be here in the blink of an eye. And I, I wanted to start before we get into the usual crushing of the libs that occurs here on the show. I wanted to start with something that we should always have in the back of our minds as we're going forward here. Look. I'm a, I'm a big believer in persistence, preparation, dedication, endurance, right? Endurance and persistence. If you could give me endurance, persistence and discipline, if you can give me those three traits, I think life is going to be pretty successful, right? I, I think those are three of the best ones you can have when you're younger. I think it's more, oh, creativity and inspiration and no, you, need to, you need to endure and you need to be disciplined. Uh, so I, I think that luck also should always be added in somewhere there if you can be lucky it's often better than all of the above and the same is true in the opposite direction sometimes it just goes against you donald trump has done a phenomenal job as president of the united states he is also doing it at a time or was doing it until a time when there was a pandemic that has completely upended the global economy our social lives, our interactions, our day to day. It's a nightmare. OK, and there's nothing that Donald Trump could have done, despite what the media wants people to believe, to stop this pandemic in its tracks. That was never going to happen. This is just a bad thing that has happened to humanity. Now, it's exaggerated by the media in terms of what a risk it is to all of us every day. And they don't look at this like adults. And the Democrats have been trying to leverage this at every stage in every way that they can. But it's clearly a mess. It is clearly a huge drag on everything, on all of us, on the president. And I would just say we should remind ourselves of this, because if it weren't for covid, I really believe that the president would be sitting around on on poll numbers, looking at poll numbers that suggest that he was going to win everything he won in 2016 and then two or three other states in addition. So just another electoral college landslide. And that's what should have happened. That's what we were heading for when I was talking to you about the Trump administration around this time last year. Many of you will remember I was saying, enjoy this, friends. This is about as good as it gets in America. Booming economy, uh, a president who's slapping down the left wing media and all their nonsense. No unnecessary wars, no massive American security uh, challenge that has people frightened and, and worried about their safety every day. And then the Democrats, unfortunately, benefited tremendously from the horrific pandemic that we've gone through. And now they're in a position. This is why I'm very honest about this. They they could win. And we all need to understand this. They could win this election as much of a joke as Joe Biden really is for those of us who are being honest about it. As absurd as this Harris Biden ticket may be to those with decent judgment and some memory of what the candidates were saying, what they've done in the past, particularly with Joe Biden and uh, what a buffoon he is. 
they can win this thing. Make no mistake about it. And that's why, on the one hand, I, I want you to make sure that you do everything that you can. People say, what can I do? Uh, the same thing, I always say, pass the buck, pass the Trump. You know, and I'll even say for the next couple of weeks, it's more important to pass the Trump than to pass the buck. Ah, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. But make sure that you get anybody that you know who's thinking about voting, that you bring them down with you. You offered it, you know, give them a ride. Make sure you encourage friends and family to vote for President Trump. Uh, we are in we are in states that are swing states here. This show is heard all across the country. We need you to make sure that you get every vote out there. And that's that's part one of this. Uh, Part two is just understanding that they can win. The Democrats can win this thing. But even with everything the country is going through right now, I think you should at least hear this, because I know the polls show Trump down and a lot of people are just saying, fuck, I don't believe the polls. Look what they said in 2016. Correct. In 2016, they were generally within the margin of error, but they were all in the margin for Hillary, which seems like it's not a coincidence, does it? And so therefore, the perception was all polls have her up when really all polls should have been inconclusive. If that's if they're all within the margin of error, they don't know. They they didn't know. And then the New York Times famously had what was it? Ninety seven percent on Election Day that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And then we got to see that slider move down to 70 percent, 50 percent. Oh, that was great. I'll never forget when Trump won Florida. I was live on radio at the time. I'll never forget when that happened. And it just hit me. Oh, my gosh. Trump is actually going to win this thing. But even with the pandemic and all of the challenges that have been have been just falling on top of the heads of the American people for the last uh, 10 months. Because really the pandemic, we kind of knew it was hitting us in January. We started to feel like something was up. And then in February, that's when the, the, the real concerns started getting raised. But with all of that, there was this Gallup poll. I, I think this is pretty remarkable. And it goes to the fundamental question about this election, the one that all the pundits and pollsters and myself included, every, everyone's just going to say, are you better off now than you were four years ago? Looking at politics as a function of results, actions that have consequences that affect you, that affect me, that affect the rest of the country. Are you in a better place now than you were four years ago? Now, very interesting, because it would be tough to argue that the country is in a better place now than it was, say, a year ago. Obviously, that's not true. Obviously, the coronavirus pandemic has really hit us hard and cost a lot of lives. But yet when people are ask this question there's clearly a a large portion of the american electorate of, of the american people who recognize that for as much as government can be in control of uh they do think they are in a better place than they were four years ago so i think that they're compartmentalizing at some level or they're understanding that covid has hit the whole world and there are other things you'd have to look at. We are going to get through this. How is the country doing otherwise? Can you gauge this presidency without allowing it to just be a, a vote on whether or not you're upset about COVID because COVID isn't Trump's fault? And the media is trying desperately. The Democrats are trying so hard to push that. It's just not. It's irrational. It's wrong to suggest that this is on the president's shoulders. And that's obviously and look, there are some things that are much more attributable, even the economy, for example, the president can play a large role, but there are many factors and Bush got crushed 
at the end of his second term, or I should say the Republican Party got crushed because what really happened was a decades long policy uh, of well, housing policies in this country that were in part driven by social justice concerns and then monetized by Wall Street. And then it was a ticking time bomb that went off at the end of the, of the Bush administration. It's bad luck that could have gone off a year later and would have been the start of the Obama administration. And everybody would have been talking about, except for Democrats, of course, what a disaster Obama was for the economy at the very start. Instead, you know, a, a just one of these accidents of history or one of these sets of circumstance that determines the course of history. Obama gets very lucky in that the economy is in a cyclical recession when he comes into it. And so all he ever has to say is what was so bad when I started, look at where things are now. And people realize, well, it was a slow recovery. It wasn't a good recovery, but it was enough of a talking point to get him four more years. Right. Compare your worst month in 20 years of job losses, let's say, to where you are a year or two after that, and surely the number's going to look better. What percentage, though, even though we're in the middle of COVID, even though our economy is, is in this semi-frozen state, and we have had just weights put on our, ourselves, on our shoulders, preventing us from being able to go forward economically, it's been such a drag on all of our productivity and prosperity According to Gallup, which I think is probably the most reputable polling agency there is, or at least the most widely known. Here's Americans' views on whether they're better or worse off than four years ago. Would you say you and your family are better off now than you were four years ago? Are you worse off now? Percentage that say they are better off. This is based on registered voters, friends, registered voters. 56%. Say that they are better off today than they were four years ago. Fifty six percent. That's uh, I mean, that would be landslide territory if that's what actually turned out to be the election result. Right. Clearly in favor of Trump. What was it in 2012 when Obama was able to win? This is the same Gallup question, the same polling agency. What was it in 2012? uh, December, I should say, of 2012. Forty five percent thought they were better off 2004 47 percent 1992 38 percent 1984 44 percent 56 percent of people who are registered voters according to Gallup think that they're better off now than they were four years ago that is only something you can explain by saying that 56 percent of people one are personally materially in better circumstances now even with a pandemic And feel better about the trajectory, long term trajectory of the country, even with a pandemic in the background than they did four years ago. This is just a way of saying, friends, that there is hope here, even though the administration was dealt a very crappy hand of cards here with this China virus that has spread all across the country, even with that. It seems there are enough people who understand the difference between bad circumstances and bad leadership. The Democrats are desperately trying to conflate the two. But I think the American people know, or at least enough Americans know. That that's all just that's all just a smear. That's all just propaganda. Let's see if we can actually translate this into an election win. Nancy Pelosi doesn't even want to see what the election results are. You know what her plan is? A commission, a 25th Amendment commission 
Uh, and she wants to start that right now. Oh, let's talk about this. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. When we hear people saying, I'm, I'm young and I'm a perfect, perfect specimen, instead of addressing the fact that, what, 50,000 people were uh, infected, reports to be infected yesterday, nearly 1,000 people died. What are we talking about here? Tomorrow, by the way, tomorrow, come here tomorrow. We're going to be talking about the 25th Amendment, but not to take attention away from the subject we have now. That's Pelosi yesterday. She, she's not trying to, like, distract people for cheap political reasons with some ploy. No, no, she's a very, she's a very serious, she's a serious, serious person. She's very serious. Yeah, it's just hello, Trump. You know, we're going to have a Trump talk. 25th Amendment. Unbelievable. But here we are. Nancy Pelosi bringing up, I mean, creating a, a completely fabricated news cycle around the 25th Amendment. But this just goes to show you the degree of desperation that there is in all of this. I mean, this just goes to show you how utterly absurd the Democrats are willing to be, including the Speaker of the House, third in line for the presidency, as shocking and uh, unsettling as that may be. So, yeah, the 25th Amendment. Oh, what was the other thing that Nancy said? I think it was today she claimed that he is in an altered state. Yes, an altered state. He can't really he can't really be trusted to be president right now because he's taking uh, commonly available now medication. Any of us who's under medication of that serious is, is in an altered state. He has bragged about the medication that he has taken, Pelosi said. And then Ra- uh, Congressman Raskin came in. Oh, that guy's gross, too. He said that the amendment was, quote, designed to guarantee the continuing peaceful transfer of power in our country only for the most extreme situations when you have a president who can't fulfill the duties of office. Well, we have a president who absolutely can fulfill the duties of office. So wh- what are they even talking about? Well, it just it gives an opportunity, right? It's it's a way to feed the Trump derangement beast, a way to keep the hashtag resistance narrative going. And that's all they have to do. Right. They, they do this. So then we even if it's absurd and this is I mean, this isn't going to do anything. Pelosi says, oh, wait, wait, I, I want to know. She claims that this has nothing to do with Trump. She's talking about Trump being in an altered state and wants to have a public discussion today about a commission to look into uh, a commission to look into presidential candidate, uh, presidential holders, presidential office holders being removed via the 25th Amendment, but it has nothing to do with Trump. That's what she wants. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Uh, That's her claim. I mean, she says this, I guess, knowing that we will respond by saying, so Nancy, how how dumb do you think we are? And I think, unfortunately, the answer is very dumb. She thinks the public can be fooled with this. And even if it doesn't sway any voters, it's great. It's just feeding the usual resistance slop to the Trump haters out there. So they love this no matter what. Oh, we can talk about the 25th Amendment again. Ha ha. Trump shouldn't even really be in office because he's actually mentally incapacitated. Ha ha. This is the this is the game that they play. Uh, 
And isn't it so ironic that there's going to be a very real discussion if, if Biden wins? We all know this. Here, here's the truth. Democrats won't say it, but I will. Obviously. Uh, the chances of Joe Biden making it through eight years of, a, of a, the presidency, being president for eight years without having a, a real 25th Amendment uh, issue where the Congress, the cabinet will have to think about removing him and, and having the vice president take over duties is very is actually pretty high. This guy's already had two strokes and he's 78 years old and he wants to be president. He says now for the next eight years. So he thinks he's going to get an 84, 85 and there won't be serious health considerations that. Oh, no, of course there will be. So they make jokes about Trump with the 25th Amendment while they're putting forward. And, and it's all done in a very underhanded and and gross way. But while they're putting forward somebody for whom there will be a very serious consideration of the 25th Amendment at some point, most likely, most likely, I think that you are, are probably going to see Joe. If Joe Biden wins, you'll probably see Joe Biden uh, step down. Oh, all the people that are saying this is part of a Nancy conspiracy to remove. That's crazy. There's no need for that. This is all about poking Trump. This is trolling. Nancy's trolling Trump. It is personal between these two. Trump doesn't like her and she doesn't like him because Trump knows she's a phony. Oh, ultimately, it's it's very personal. Trump understands Nancy Pelosi is a Chardonnay socialist. She's a total fraud. He gets it. He knows. So. The way that Biden is going to step down is he's going to step down if he wins. Just say that it's health issues. I wouldn't even I'd be able to say nothing about it other than, yeah, the guy's old. He's got health issues. Got to have the VP step in. You know, that, that's just what's going to happen. There's no need for a convoluted conspiracy here. But why are we talking about this right now? Because Nancy just wants to take a little cheap shot at Trump. She better watch out. Trump's going to take some back. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. A plot in Michigan to kidnap and assassinate the governor has allegedly been foiled. Uh, it involved 13 people. Arrests have been made by the FBI. And uh, here, here's what we know about this. You have individuals who were hoping to, uh, planning to arrest the uh, governor of Michigan, uh, Whitmer, while she was at her vacation home. And we're still finding out more information about this, but they're being hit with terrorism charges, attempted kidnapping charges. And some of the two of the individuals, at least, have been seen in photographs uh, opposing the lockdowns at the state capitol and there with uh, there with long guns. So now let's let's just dispense with what's obvious first and then we'll get into some of the analysis. Uh, the right opposes political violence. The right does not believe in using coercion and when I say the right conservatives, I mean, the, the actual movement, whether it's conservative media, the Republican Party, uh, we reject it. We condemn it. We anywhere we see it, think that it's a disgrace and should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. I never hear that from Democrats about Antifa and BLM riots, everything else. It's always well, it was mostly it was mostly peaceful. It was most or the uh, assassinations of police officers that occur. They don't they don't condemn the movement around it. They'll say it's just a one off. So so left wing left wing destruction, violence, terrorism is always some isolated incident, even when it happens every day for 90 days straight all summer long. Right. 
left wing violence is always able to be minimized, blocked off, excused or at least. uh, Let's say explained away in some way. That's the the rule. And then on the right, a bunch of wackos who have anything that they say that sounds like it might be conservative or if they're going after a Democrat target, that's indicative of the entire Republican Party. It's like it's like the GOP put out a statement saying this is what we want to happen. And then someone did it. That's the way the media treats it. It's it's wildly dishonest. But that's what we are up against. And uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer is look, she's wrong with what she's doing. The state Supreme Court in Michigan has already said that. Uh, she has taken tyrannical powers into her hands. She's a lockdown lunatic. And what she's doing is very bad. And it's unlawful. But she is. And people say, oh, but Buck, the Michigan state constitution. Oh, it's it's a violation of constitutional rights. Telling people they can't worship. Uh, you know, there's no freedom of religion. Telling people they, you know, the, the Bill of Rights has been just dispensed with in so many places because of COVID-19 and all these Democrat strongholds. And one thing we need to do is just start suing. I mean, there needs to be a lot of lawsuits and the DOJ should be suing states too to get them to stop this. But in an election, I understand it turns into, oh, you don't care about people dying from COVID. That's what they'll say. It's a lie. It's gross, but that is what they will do. So now we have uh, this this plot got a lot of attention yesterday. It's going to continue to get uh, media coverage all throughout the weekend. Um, and prosecutors are saying that the the, the indictments here were of a uh, the group was going to do not just attack the governor and kill the governor if they could, but instigate a civil war leading to societal collapse, societal collapse. I I want to return to this in a moment, because does that sound. Does that sound conservative to you? Does that sound like something that G- the GOP wants? Anarchy. Remember, the only thing we're going on so far is what the media tells us about the uh, ideological ties of this group. But can we trust the media's assessment of it? Just remember, I'm asking that question for right now. And and what is the uh, what is the immediate response of Gretchen Whitmer, the governor? You all know who she's going to blame for this, right? Is is she going to blame the obviously deranged, uh, violent losers who were plotting to do her harm and everything else? And look, I can understand this is scary. And these guys, you know, we have to look at the, the details of the plot to see how far along they were and what degree of sophistication it seemed that they have uh, they had in mind to try to carry out such a plot. But it's it's scary when, when lunatics say or are conspiring to do you harm. All of us are vulnerable, even people that have security details, even people that have some resources to protect them. So I, I totally understand that part of it. But do you think Whitmer is blaming the people that are doing this or did she immediately? I mean, the day this broke in the news, did she take it as an opportunity to start attacking oh you guessed it donald trump right away that that was her her first move with all of this was to go after the president play 10 just last week the president of the united states stood before the american people and refused to condemn white supremacists and hate groups like these two michigan militia groups stand back and stand by he told them stand back and stand by hate groups heard the president's words not as a rebuke but as a rallying cry as a call to action 
When our leaders speak, their words matter. They carry weight. When our leaders meet with, encourage, or fraternize with domestic terrorists, they legitimize their actions, and they are complicit. When they stoke and contribute to hate speech, they are complicit. Trump is complicit. Trump was calling for actions like this, she says. Now, first off, she says that he said he told the uh, white nationalists or or militias or whatever, uh, stand back and stand by. No, he said that about the Proud Boys specifically. And as we've discussed on this show, the Proud Boys, plenty of things you could say about them, plenty of ways to criticize them, but they're not white nationalists. That's just not true. It's not true. They're not neo-Nazis. They're not white nationalists. It's kind of a drinking club for right wing guys who do like to get into fights with Antifa. That's that's what they are. And Proud Boys do not go out out and threaten businesses or burn down people's homes or any of the stuff that we see from BLM all summer long, all the time, which is really amazing that we're here right now, aren't we? They had the 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 violence and the madness going on from May until October, and it's still happening. You, you still have incidents of this popping up. And, and I, I'm just going to tell you right now, they're not covering. Uh, they're not covering violence that just happened in Wisconsin, I think, in the outskirts of Milwaukee that went on. Um, they're not talking about that. They don't want people to realize that this is still happening. Wauwatosa in Wisconsin, there were businesses burned, looting happening. Just this week. How many of you even heard about that? Did you see a lot of news coverage of it? Why wasn't that a news story worthy of hearing about? We all know why. Very important that Democrats can continue this. It's on all sides uh, game. Political violence is something that everybody has to be concerned with from all sides of the political spectrum. No, it's not equivalent. It does exist on both sides, but it's not the same. It's been shown to us who wants to destroy businesses and coerce people and throw rocks at cops and engage in rioting, mayhem, arson, looting, and just wanton destruction and violence. This is the left-wing base that's doing this. It's not some fringe group. It's not some uh, group of, you know, 10 guys who are showing up somewhere and acting like a bunch of morons. This is thousands and thousands of people with the full support of the mainstream media covering for them, if not actively encouraging them with corporate America demanding donations in the name of the movement that these domestic terrorists are, are saying that they represent. That's what's actually happening. But no, Whit- Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, wants you to know that the hate, the hate comes from the right. It's the right wing that is responsible for this hate. Play 11. So I, I can't discuss too many details because it's around my security. And of course, that's what's at issue here. We got to make sure that we stay safe. However, um, in the in the recent weeks, it was brought to my attention. Of course, we know every time that this White House identifies me or takes um, a shot at me, we see an increase in uh, rhetoric online, uh, violent rhetoric. And so there's always a connection. And certainly it's something that we've been watching, but this took it to a whole new level. Uh, so does that mean you're not allowed to be criticized for the governor of Michigan because uh, lunatics online are going to say hateful and even threatening things about you or to you? Has she ever talked to anybody who works in conservative media? We have people threatening us all the time. Constantly happens. You just ignore it for the most part. What else are you going to do? The 
Internet is a cesspool when it comes to politics. Everyone understands this. Unfortunately, the the most pathetic, empty, shallow, angry, vain, nasty and worthless people in the world now have a way of reaching out to anyone they want, pretty much, and trying to get inside their head and be threatening and be frightening. And, and sometimes they even do act on it. But that's true for all of us. So what, what is this, that, that there's criticism from the White House of Governor Whitmer and then people say mean things online or, or threatening things online? So does that mean we're not allowed to criticize Governor Whitmer? I mean, take her claim to its logical conclusion. What, what does she want the White House to do? Condemn violence absolutely in its totality. I mean, you could even go, you, you could condemn the violence of a plot like this, the evil and the lawlessness of anybody who would think this, and also point out that now they've given these morons in Michigan, other than being a bunch of savage, uh, you know, lawless fools, uh, have also helped the Democrats out with this. So not only are they vile criminals, but they've given now a talking point to a, a governor that they hate. But are they actually conservatives? I haven't forgotten this. Are these people Trump supporters who were involved in this? Because the media wants you to believe yes. Well, there's a little problem with that. There's video that's been circulating of at least some of these individuals. When you hear their words, I think you may have some questions at least. I can't tell you we have conclusions, but some, some questions about what the politics, what the ideology is of these individuals. Remember, there was a guy who tried to kill a whole bunch of conservative members of Congress, actually shot at them. I mean, took action, was engaged in a mass assassination, and he was yelling, this is for health care. And he was a big Bernie Sanders supporter. Is Bernie Sanders responsible for that? Who's responsible? Is Barack Obama or Loretta Lynch or, you know, who from the Obama administration would be responsible for the assassinations of NYPD officers Ramos and Lou, the six Dallas police officers who were killed by a BLM supporter. Now the uh, the two individuals uh, from the sheriff's county, uh, from the L.A. County Sheriff's Department who were shot in their car. The guy who shot them was a BLM supporter. I'm just wondering who, who's responsible for all that. Are, are we going to are we only going to tally it sometimes? Only 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 on occasions when it's useful to the left does political rhetoric translate into violence. And therefore, you must be silenced or else you're a part of the violence. Isn't that so convenient for them? But what do we really know about these plotters against Governor Whitmer? Let's look into it. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast. Has not been a good time for the FBI. Theo, you asked for a miracle. I gave you the FBI. Has not been good. Not been good. Um, I'm, I don't know what else to say other than it'd be very hard to be an American who is in tune with what's happening, who's been paying attention and not feel like uh, the FBI has really betrayed the trust of millions and millions of Americans with the decisions that have been made at the top level. Again, it's not about the rank and file. It's never rank and file. People showing up to do a job. This is about the managers. This is about the executive suite. This is about the Comey's and the McCabe's and the Strucks and the pages, right? It's not about the FBI agent who's making sure elder fraud doesn't happen in Omaha or the FBI agent who's making sure that, you know, people in, uh, in, in Tampa aren't 
subject to cartel hitmen or something in their neighborhood. I mean, you know, the FBI does a lot of really good stuff. I'm talking about the top level of political level. They've got maniacs walking around. I mean, this guy, Figliuzzi, that was a senior FBI person. Look at what Brennan has said, the CIA, former CIA director. He's written a book, of course, now. Uh, the title is the title is trash. He's such a mediocrity, really. Um, but I, I'm telling you all this because also reporting today, not going to be a Durham report before the election. Sorry, not happening. Word from the DOJ. Not going to be a report before the election. Does anybody have any confidence that there's going to be a really get to the truth, big bombshell report after the election? If Biden wins. You think that anybody at the DOJ or anyone anywhere in the federal government apparatus or even in private life, for that matter. Let, let me ask you this, friends. Would you want to be the investor? I mean, some of you be like, yeah, Buck, bring it. But, I, you know, OK, some of you are fearless patriots and I get that or all of you are fearless patriots. But you know what I mean? Some of you don't care if the government tries to ruin your life or not. But really think about it. Wouldn't it be a little bit stressful to be the person who in an incoming Biden administration, you're like, here's my report that says that the Democrats ran Hillary Oppo research through the FBI and this and the CIA and the media for effectively a soft coup against the Trump administration. Here's the report. It's all true. They lied, cheated, they stole and it's real. And here you go. Do any of you think that, you know, we, the Republicans, were always, oh, we'll let something go. We don't want to look back. But do any of you think that they would let that go in, in the other direction? Do any of you think that that would be something that wouldn't have severe consequences for that individual, right? We, all, we know how they play the game. We know how they do things. Oh, all of a sudden it'd be, you know, hey, here you might have some tax problems coming your way, courtesy of the uh, newly beefed up enforcement arm of the Biden-Harris IRS. And that's just the beginning of your problems. Oh, yes. Do a little ethical investigation of you for uh, for within the DOJ for abuse of office, whatever. Just the ruin people. They will ruin people. So I'm telling you right now, what have I been saying all along about the Durham probe? I know there's all this stuff about how he's a dogged prosecutor and he gets his man and he's fair, but but, you know, believes in justice and all this stuff. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Other people I know, they want, oh, they wanted more listeners or they wanted more downloads or whatever. Oh, yeah, I need the Durham probe. You know, it's just, you know, look, take out your watch any second now. It's going to happen. We're going to get those answers. And I kept saying to you, don't expect anyone to go to prison and don't expect anything big from this. And you who've been listening to me know this. See, I like to be right. I like to tell you what I what I believe will be true. And I like that I'm usually correct in that. Other people like to just whatever is, gets the maximum excitement for the day. Now, this isn't just me complaining about uh, some of my uh, you know, fellow media folks, although that sometimes is a little bit of a necessary, a little necessary catharsis. Uh, the, the more important part of this is that I think that it got people, it got our hopes up that there was going to be something that would happen from our side that would be the equivalent of an October surprise, although a very legitimate October surprise. Um, that's not going to happen. It's not going to not not with Durham, at least. That's not going to be the reality. And so I I'm annoyed because I feel like there was a lot of energy put into this and a lot of time spent thinking about this that. Isn't going to amount to anything. It's going to be a whole whole bunch of nothing burger for all of us to chew on, spit out. That's what we're going to have here. I know I don't like the term nothing burger very much either, but I wanted to use it there. So the FBI Figliuzzi, that guy, that soundbite we played for you before. Amazing, isn't it? 
Trump is an unindicted co-conspirator in the uh, kidnapping and murder plot of the governor of Michigan. This is what Democrats on TV from uh, uh, supposedly revered institutions of law enforcement say about the sitting president of the United States. And then they turn around and complain that, oh, my gosh, there was mansplaining from Pence. Where was all? Why was there so much mansplaining? You guys are saying the president's like a psycho murderer. The actual president. Oh, but there was mansplaining. It's terrible. Anything to just add to the orange man bad case. That, that is the case for Harris and Biden's election. Orange man bad. That's it. There's nothing else, really. I mean, yeah, if you're a Democrat, if you're a leftist, they're going to enact your policies. But there's nothing compelling about these two. Just Trump is awful. Trump is evil. And that's that's the end of it. That's the whole that's the whole thing. Yeah. This show is like a whole lot of mansplaining, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Buck splaining. We used to do buck slaps. We should bring that. Producer Mark, we bring back buck slaps. I'd have to find the uh, soundbite. OK, but we could also make a, a cool new one. Remember, it can't just be a little slap like a whoosh. it has to be, you know, hiya, like a big slap, because that's how the buck slap is a big slap. Well, you know, when we moved abruptly, I didn't have time to pack up all the stuff. So that's true. When it was like all hands on deck to get the heck out because there was a pandemic that we'd really I mean, people forget this in the early days of the pandemic. We thought every, the the initial reporting was that there was going to be a three to five percent fatality rate, which would have been. And it would have been pandemonium. It would have been like one of these movies you see. Um, what's the Brad Pitt zombie movie where they're all fleeing? Or, you know, there's a bunch. Of, I am legend. They have some scenes like this, too. But people would have fled the cities. It would have been a total disaster. Fortunately, it was nowhere near as bad as it was in the early days. But anyway, we'll, we'll try to bring back a, a buck slap because uh, that's a fun one to do. And, and you just I, I also have to note that the somehow the worst analysts on TV in recent years have been the national security ones. I mean, the economists, no one really takes seriously because they're telling you stuff you already know, or they're telling you stuff that's not correct usually, or making predictions that won't be true or telling you stuff you already know. And that's every time someone goes, Oh, the economy, I think, you know, uh, the economy could go up, it could go down. You know, I mean, we see could the market could go up, but you know, stocks could also take a dive here. Thanks guys. Wow. What, what a guru. This is amazing. It's a lot of that, but on the national security side, what you have is the weaponization of national security expertise for partisan ends. Now, people could claim that I'm I'm a part of this, too. But here's the difference. I don't pretend to be a neutral national security analyst. I don't walk around saying, oh, I'm just I'm just a guy from my CIA time who's looking at this totally neutral, just telling you what's going on. No, you ha- you use that credential as part of your resume for how you can bash the other side is effectively what it's turned into. And the, the Democrat national security people are just they're morons. I mean, they are out of their minds. They're really bad. They generally don't know very much, which is also which is also troubling. But the ones you see on TV are the ones that are the most politically useful. Um, the ones who, you know, anyway, it's uh, it's a pet peeve of mine. You could say Cuomo also Governor Cuomo is back, everybody. I'm going to lock down New York City. I'm going to lock it down. I'm going to lock it down for your own good. Why am I going to lock it down? Because people are not obeying the rules and regulations I have set out for you. Why won't you obey the rules and regulations? I want to keep you safe. 
by stuffing a cloth mask deep into your throat and making sure that you can barely breathe or enjoy your day. Why do I want to do that? Because if you, you know, you get the idea, Cuomo is also out there saying that the uh, the Whitmer plot is Trump's fault. You guessed it. Play 24. The political interference with this ultra-Orthodox community that we have on our clusters. Uh, uh, I believe and I have evidence that the Trump campaign is fueling uh, their opposition and their divisive uh, divisiveness. Uh, the president has always done this, right? Divide and conquer is his strategy. And it's corrosive. Uh, it's uh, detrimental to everything we're about, uh, but it's what he has done from the beginning. So, yes, I believe he's behind it. I believe his campaign stokes it. I don't think there's any question. That was in response to a question about the plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer, folks. He's behind it. He stokes it. It's his fault. Yeah, that's what we're up against. Since we're talking about Cuomo and fault, let's discuss what he's doing in New York, because friends, You know, I see this stuff coming. I think the Cuomo approach for a lot of you, certainly folks live in California, live in Austin, live in Denver, live in San Diego, live in, uh, you know, and our our beloved Team Buck Blue State audience. This is coming for you, too. Here's what Cuomo's got in store for you. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Court packing. Oh, gosh. You mean that we still haven't gotten an answer from Biden on whether he would pack the court? Ah, yes. They're doing everything they can to act like this is not a glaring, gaping hole in the Biden, just a straight shooter, just a just one of the guys just wants to lead the country as a blue collar Joe. You could have a beer with kind of a guy right in his twenty thousand dollar a month rental mansion in McLean when he's not at his four million dollar beach house in Rehoboth. Or I think it's might be three million, but just one of the guys lunch, pa- lunch, pale Joe riding the choo choo every day. <laughs> it's all such a fraud. You know, that's the one thing I've always liked about Trump is the guy's like, yeah, I'm super rich and I have dated and married uh, many beautiful women and I like lots of gold and gilded stuff and private jets. And this is how I roll and, you know, take it or leave it. But that's what you get. You know, Trump isn't showing up shirt sleeves all rolled up. Hey, hey, Alabama, I want to go shoot some birds out of the sky with you now because I love hunting. You know, I mean, this is what all these politicians do and it's so it's so annoying and biden's just another one of them biden is the quintessential swamp creature the guy's been in politics pretty much longer than anybody else you can think of he's been running for president really as long as i've been alive and he lives just out he lives just outside of dc really effectively takes the acela from delaware every day which is you know like an hour hour and 20 that's it he's a total swamp creature Bought and paid for by the credit card companies over many, many years. That, that's what you're getting. But, oh, Joe Biden, he's on he's on your team. But he also doesn't have to answer any real questions. Joe Biden, for example, uh, when when asked about what what he would do in the in, or sorry, when asked about what he would do in the debate, he got out of it with Trump because there was a lot of crosstalk. And, and then you had Harris and Pence and Pence was able to 
push back a little bit and actually try to get some kind of an answer. But Pence wasn't able to get an answer because she won't answer it. So then Biden addresses it again. And if we had a real press corps, this would just be a question. You keep asking this question because it's one that really matters. You ask until you get an answer. I'm not answering that is not acceptable for something as important as this, for which there is a completely legitimate grounds to ask in the first place. Big issue and one the Democrats have been openly saying they would take a position on, which is, of course, to pack the court. Here's what Joe Biden, you can't make this up. Here's what Joe Biden said. This is the day after the debate when Kamala just non-answered, straight up not. I will. She pleaded the fifth. Here she is. Play uh, or here he is. Rather play one. You'll know my opinion of court packing when the election is over. Now, look, I know it's a great question. Y'all and I don't blame you for asking. But, you know, the moment I answer that question, the headline in every one of your papers will be about that. Other than other than focusing on what's happening now. The election has begun. There's never been a court appointment once an election begun. But yeah. You'll know my opinion on court packing when the election is over. You know, this is a a little bit of a continuation of Pelosi's. We have to pass the bill to know what's in it. Right. We have to pass this to understand what's what's going to actually happen. The Biden campaign's slogan now is is effectively you you could shorten it down or you could summarize it with vote first, think later. Don't ask any questions. Don't worry about this. Don't don't think that there's some need for you to get to the truth of any of this. Just give us. Give us all your faith. Joe, but you can trust Joe, but lunch pail Joe riding choo choo from Scranton, blue collar Joe, you know, just hanging out with all the lunch pail workers and rolled up sleeves, man. I'm, I'm a great guy. I'm friends with everybody. Love everybody. I'm Joe Biden. The whole thing is such a fraud, isn't it? And then there's Kamala Harris, who you really get the sense has just never been who has never been particularly tested in politics. She's just found the way, you know, it's kind of the Clinton, the Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton approach runs in New York, not even from New York, runs on her husband's name recognition. Kamala had a very powerful male politician benefactor early in her careers. We don't often get to talk about that now. The media would be all over that if you were a Republican. But no, it was a Democrat. So we won't hear about that. Uh, but, you know, Hillary runs in New York, not even from New York. And it's all based on name recognition and just kind of skates along, goes from first lady to senator to secretary of state to would be would be president. Why? Well, what what great challenge did she overcome? She didn't even really win a particularly important Senate race in that it was going to be against Rudy Giuliani. That would have been a real test because Rudy was in many ways at the height of his powers. But then Rudy got sick with cancer, had to get treated. And he had Rick Lazio step in there who you've seen. Probably never, but maybe once or twice on a couple of political talk shows. I think he shows up once in a while on CNN or something. So does uh, Rick Santorum. I just I feel bad. You know, Rick, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. him. I've actually I think I've maybe interviewed him once. I don't even remember if I've interviewed him. So that probably tells you something. And uh, he's over at CNN. And I just want to tell him, man, you don't you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be over there. You know, there, there's a whole big wide world out there. Plenty of ways to make money that don't involve being a punching bag or being a, a semi anti Trumper over at CNN. It's, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. I'm just going to say it. I, I hope he hears this. Not worth it to do it. Plenty of other places. Um, but look, people got bills to pay. I know. You know, it's an expensive it's an expensive country. 
So it's going to get a lot more expensive, too, if we continue to spend trillions of dollars. I see now the economy, the U.S. economy, we now are going to have more in debt than we have in annual GDP uh, for the year. That's that's a, a benchmark that we really didn't want to cross. That's a threshold that we were hoping to avoid crossing. But sure enough, we're already there. Uh, but back to the, the court packing, because I, I thought this was uh, noteworthy. Kamala didn't answer the question in the debate, because remember, the truth about Biden and Kamala's intentions, the, the truth is the enemy of their election prospects. And they know that. So they're going to do whatever they have to do. They're going to convince people in whatever way that they have to that this is, you know, this is fine, that they're non answers, that they're pretending like they didn't hear the question, whatever it is, you know, voting present. Uh, that that is is sufficient. Uh, here is a montage from back during the campaign, the Democrat primary campaign of various politicians. You're going to have, uh, oh, what's better? And uh, Kaiser Wilhelm, also known as uh, Warren Wilhelm or Bill de Blasio, Bill de Blasio, Beto O'Rourke, Bernie Sanders, Marianne Williamson. I think a couple of others in there. All be, oh, Cory Booker, all being asked about whether they would pack the court. Now, this was pre-RBGC, right? So what, what's changed now is that they didn't want to sound crazy and tell people when there was no advantage to it that they would pack the court. But notice one person actually wouldn't even wouldn't even give that assurance during the during the primary play three. I don't know that expanding the size of the Supreme Court is the best way to address legitimate concerns we have with its objectivity. I believe that uh, expanding the size of the Supreme Court is the answer. I, I am not. I do not think expanding the Supreme Court makes sense. No, no, no. Where does that stop? It's a race to the bottom. I'm not convinced that expanding the size of the Supreme Court is going to fix anything. Roosevelt tried that in the 1930s. Didn't work so well. Are you open to expanding the size of the Supreme Court? I am open to that discussion. You'll notice that last voice. I'm open to that discussion. That was Kamala Harris. Friends, she is very transactional in her politics. Put it mildly. And she will do whatever she needs to do to get where she wants to go. Perfect for the Democrats, then. Because she has, as we know, there on a superficial level, there's a lot about her that appeals to the Democrat elites and establishment. And she is clearly able to understand how the system works within the, the Democrat apparatus. I mean, she's risen to being the senator from Cal from California. But she even then was saying, you yeah, know, I'm open to that conversation, whatever it takes, folks, whatever, whatever needs to happen for Kamala to uh, achieve and accumulate and wield power. That's what she's going to do. You think Joe Biden's going to stop her? You think blue collar Joe is going to just sit down and, you know, have a have a, a foot long with all the guys by the construction site? Hey, I'm just Joe Biden. I'm just one of the guys. And he's going to say, hold on a second, Kamala, that like crazy left wing stuff. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do radical stuff under my presidency. This is a Joe Biden presidency. Joe Biden was vice president to Barack Obama, who completely steamrolled Republicans Without without apology, lied about what Republicans uh, concerns or opposition was rooted in just at every opportunity that Obama could. It was in your face, my way 
or the highway. That's it. Elections have consequences. Take it. Deal with it. That was Obama's philosophy on everything, on health care, on immigration, on the economy, on foreign policy. There was not a single worthy bipartisan effort or moment from the Obama administration. Joe Biden was his VP. I mean, I'm not saying that he was going to be in a position to really stop Obama, but does anyone think that Joe Biden all of a sudden is going to develop a a major backbone and, and push for a more moderate, sane course for the country? No. He's going to do whatever the Democrat donors and the New York Times and, and uh, Washington Post editorial boards and CNN demand that he do. That's it. Everything else, crazy. Everything else, fantasy land. That's what Joe Biden to Kamala Harris presidency would be like. And that's why I think it's so interesting that even Kamala was like, yeah, court packing. Open to that. What do you guys need? What do you want? Huh? Kamala can make it happen. Make Kamala in charge. Give Kamala the power that she wants. She'll deliver for the left. She'll deliver for the progressives. Same thing with Biden. Now, look, if they were running and telling you that, I'd have to say, okay, well, at least they're up front about it. Bernie Sanders is up front about it. He's like, I'm a socialist. It's going to be socialism, baby, nonstop, 24-7. Bernie Sanders is all in on it. Kamala and Biden, however, are presenting as something that they're not just to get to a position where by the time we figure out what it really is, the swindle will be complete and it will be too late to change anything when it comes to the election. And we're not going to run a coup against them. We're, you know, that's, and they know that. We're not going to weaponize the DOJ. We're not going to have a few Trump-supporting FBI agent holdovers who concoct some scheme about how Biden is you know, being paid off to the tune of millions, billions of dollars from, from China of assets delivered. No, that's his son. That's not Joe Biden. So we're not going to do that. And they know it. So all they have to do is Get this over the finish line. Just just shove Biden into the uh, into the end zone. And then they'll figure out the rest. And we know what the rest is going to be a return to the Obamaism of I don't care what you think. I'm going to lie about what you actually want. And I'm just going to rub your face in it. And it's going to be my way. And whatever institutions I break down, whatever rules, regulations, principles, whatever ethical constraints that I just tear apart in my way. Elections have consequences that, my friends, will be the Biden-Harris tickets real mantra.